Hey, well, good morning. Glad you're here, whether you're a regular attender and here all the time, maybe you're just checking things out. Oh, I'm getting waved at. The kids are supposed to leave now. That's right. So, or you can stay if you want. You're welcome here too. But, all right. Uh, right. Uh, as you know, I've uh, kind of uh, filled in here um, this week and last week and next week. And uh, so I don't know what's going on either. So if you don't know what's going on, welcome. You're, you could be right up here with me and we could not know what's going on together. And that'd be fine. Um, but if you're just checking things out, welcome. Uh, glad you are here and hope you feel um, welcome as well. Now, whether you're a uh, longtime uh, attender or you're watching online uh, or if you're your very first time, how many of you would be honest enough to admit that sometimes before you make a decision or you decide what to do, you take into consideration what somebody else might think? Anybody? All right. How many of you would be honest enough to say, that before you make a decision or decide what to do, sometimes you might give more attention than you ought to to what other people might think. Anybody? How many of you didn't raise your hand just now because you were afraid of what someone else might think <laughs> when you raised your hand? It's, e- it's easy to get caught up in that kind of stuff, isn't it? Uh, now, sometimes it's okay to give thought to what other people think. And, and for example, when we're kids, we you know, might listen to our parents. In fact, I hope my you know, kids might... Think of what old dad might think before they, you know, make a decision or do something. Um, And sometimes it's just about, you know, insignificant things, you know, the clothes we wear, the car we drive, the people we hang out with. But sometimes it can be more uh, significant matters, too. Things we believe, life choices that we make. And it's easy sometimes, isn't it, to get caught up in thinking what other people, thinking about what other people will think as we uh, make those decisions sometimes uh, to our detriment. Why does it even matter? Well, the reality is we give our best to what matters most to us, right? And so if other people's opinions are what matters most to us, then we'll spend most of our energy and our time and our money trying to present an image that will be acceptable or what we think will be acceptable or approved of by other people, right? Um, And so what happens sometimes is then we spend money we don't really have to impress people we don't really like anyway. (laughs) Ever done that? Um, Sometimes that is how it works. Well, this morning, um, we're in the second week of a series we've simply just called Christmas Presents. All right? Um, We do that because the idea of Christmas is really all about God being with us, His presence with us. Last week, we looked at through the story of Mary that... God is with us even in the chaos of our life, that this angel appeared to Mary, this normal teenage girl with an incredible story, turned her life upside down, and God was with her through that chaos. Next week, we're going to be looking through the eyes of the shepherds, people who felt outcast, both in society and religiously. They felt very far from God. And so I just might make a note that if you um, know people that feel far from God, Next week would be a great time to invite them to come because we're going to be talking about people in this, in this Bible story of this first Christmas that felt far from God. And we're going to see that even in the midst of chaos, even when we feel far from God, God is with us. That's the beauty of Christmas. Today, through the story of Joseph, we're going to see that God is with us even when it seems no one else is. Now, we're going to also see that Joseph, even though the exact details of his story were pretty unique, the actual general thing that he went through is something that we face all the time, maybe even every day, whether we'll do the right thing or the easy thing, whether we'll do what we feel like God wants us to do or what we think um, our friends would expect us to do or what they would approve of, whether we want to do 
stand alone doing what God has asked us to do or go along uh, with the crowd. Um, this morning, we're going to see through his story that God is with us even when it feels like we're standing alone. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1, uh, the very first book there of the New Testament and the very first chapter. Um, we're going to look at the story through the eyes of Joseph. All right? We're going to start in verse 18. It begins this way. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. And we'll pause just a moment just to say, but you're smart, you already knew this, that Christ was not his last name. Okay? It wasn't Joseph Christ. All right? Christ was a title. Okay? So when we say Jesus Christ, that was a, a title describing Jesus. It meant Messiah. Okay? So this is the, how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, or Jesus Christ, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, and we talked last week about that, that marriage in those days was much more significant. This engagement period was a year, it was binding, the only way to get out of it was death or divorce. Okay, very serious thing. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about, when Mary, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, that is, before they physically came together as man and wife, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, that's an interesting way to say that, isn't it? She was found to be pregnant. Now, we don't know the details, the exact timing of when Joseph found out about that. We don't know that if after the angel appeared to Mary, like we talked about um, last week, if she immediately went and told Joseph, or, because um, that, as we learned last week, as soon as she found out, or very uh, close after she found out, she went to spend time with her close relative Elizabeth, who was also experiencing a miraculous uh, pregnancy of her own, and stayed there about three months. So we don't know the timing of when Joseph found out, if it was beforehand, and then Mary went off to be with Elizabeth, or if it was after that three uh, months, and she was found to be pregnant, because she came back three or four months pregnant, and it's like, Joseph's like, Mary, did you pick up a little weight when you were there with your, you know? It, it, at that point, it becomes obvious, you know, because there's no such thing as a little pregnant. Either you are or you're not, right? And she was at that point. We don't know the timing of when Joseph found out. But no matter when he found out, put yourself in that conversation just for a minute. How do you think that went? Uh, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Now, you all have heard this story a thousand times, right? This was his first time hearing it, okay? He's engaged to this young woman. He, she tells him she's pregnant. How would he feel? How would you feel? Joseph was a human being, okay? He was not a religious, spiritual superhero. He was a normal human being. How, of course, how do you think he responded? He was hurt. He was confused. He was angry. He felt betrayed. Well, why wouldn't he? I mean, how does that conversation go? What? You're pregnant? And Mary's like, no, no Joseph, it, it's, not, it's not what it seems like. It's not what you think. It's by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, oh, well, Mary, why, if, if that's how it is, why didn't you just say so in the first place? Holy Spirit, how long did it take you to come up with that kind of a story? I saw how that guy down at the well was checking you out, Right? <laughs> How do you think that went? I mean, we just hear that story and we gloss over it, but put yourself in that spot. He, his fiance, is just telling him that, he's, that she is pregnant and he knows he had nothing to do with it. How would you feel? How would he feel? Betrayal, hurt, anger, confusion. 
Because think about it, from a human perspective, what she was telling him was clearly impossible. Right? And so, from a human perspective, either she was a liar or she was crazy. Right? I mean, that's the only explanation, humanly speaking. She was either a liar or she was crazy. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not used to all this church kind of stuff, this part of the story might seem a little odd to you. In fact, it should seem a little odd to you. Even those of us church people, this part of the story should seem odd to you. It was odd to them, okay? This was the first time that it ever happened. It had never happened before or since. They weren't uneducated, backwater people. They knew how people became pregnant, all right? This was an incredible, impossible story that Mary was asking Joseph to believe. Now, as followers of Jesus, this is one of the many impossible things that we believe, but if you believe in an all-powerful God, then as we learned in Mary's story last week, as the angel told Mary, there is nothing impossible for him. But clearly this is, humanly speaking, an impossible thing that Mary is asking Joseph to believe, so he's got a decision to make. Right? Here's Mary, the person that he's engaged to, that he thinks he can trust. She's telling him a clearly impossible unbelievable story. He wants to believe her, but she's asking him to believe something that is clearly impossible. I mean, how would he respond? In that culture, right, she was already marked. Okay, she was a marked woman. To be an unwed mother in those days, think scarlet letter times a thousand. Okay, she was marked, would be for the rest of her life. If he stayed with her, he would be marked for the rest of his life. He was a carpenter, Right? How, he lived in a small town. How would he make a living? You know, being a carpenter in a small town required uh, cultivating the goodwill of all you know, the townspeople. So they would call you when they needed something. He, he would be marked. Maybe he wouldn't be able to be employed. How would he respond? He had to be thinking, you know, what are people going to think? What are people going to say when Mary is found in this condition with no reasonable explanation for it? Joseph had a decision to make. What would you do? How would you feel? What do you do when the evidence you see with your own eyes contradicts what someone you thought you could trust is telling you? How do you respond to a situation like that? As the story unfolds, we see that he decides to bail on his relationship with Mary. You might not be familiar with that part of the story, but he decides to bail. Look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, some translations say, because he was a righteous man, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, to me, this is one of those things that makes the Bible ring true. Joseph just doesn't, he doesn't just take her word for it. Right? He doesn't believe her. I mean, why would he? <laughs> How could he believe her? Right? Now, this again, what makes the Bible ring true to me. If you were just going to make this story up, and make all the characters spiritual superheroes, right? How would it go? Mary would say, Behold, I gettest to become the mother of the Messiah, and thou gettest to join me. And Joseph would say, Yea, verily I say unto you, let us give thanks to God for his abundant blessing. That's not what happened. He's like, what? What are you talking about? He had a decision to make. That's not what happened. He didn't believe her. He might want to, but he just can't get there. And so in light of everything, he does what seems to be the only obvious thing to do, the noble thing to do. He's going to divorce her 
quietly. And in those days, that meant he had to present his case to two or three of her male relatives. When they saw the evidence, they would say, okay, you're free from her. You, don't, you can go away and not have anything to do with her anymore. Because he was a holy and a righteous man, he had no choice. She was marked as a prostitute to be an unwed mother. Obviously, she had been messing around. He didn't want to be a part of that as a holy and righteous man, so he was going to divorce her quietly. Now, he could have made a big public deal about it. According to the letter of the Old Testament law, he could have brought her forth and had her stoned. Now, in the New Testament, that didn't happen. In the first century, it didn't happen very often. But he could have made a big public deal about it, embarrassed her, made, and he would have been justified. You no good two-timing such and... Right? I mean, he, humanly speaking, wouldn't that be what your response would be? But because he didn't want to um, expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Maybe he thought, I can start over, find someplace at some, somebody else or in someplace else. That really showed the character of the kind of man that Joseph was. You know, even being hurt like he had to have been, betrayed like he had to have felt, he still didn't want to make Mary into a public mockery, and so he was going to do it quietly. Husbands and dads, maybe just take a brief uh, sidetrack here. Maybe we can take an example from Joseph to respond with grace and compassion when our wives or our kids mess up that we would not make their mistakes public, that we would cover over those. The Bible says that um, love covers over a multitude of sins. And dads and fathers, as our, one of our roles is protectors, um, to protect our wives and our kids, and to take a, a, a lesson or an example from Joseph, not bring their faults out in public to embarrass them. Joseph had decided to do what, from a human perspective, was the obvious choice. All of his friends would have said, yeah, that's what you got to do, Joseph. It would have been obvious what he had to do. But Joseph was about to learn one of life's most important lessons. And that's if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Pleasing God often means disappointing people. Pleasing God often means disappointing people. Did you know that? Um, Look at verse 20. But after he, Joseph, had considered this, had considered what he was going to do, he was going to divorce her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home with you as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, can you imagine the huge swing of emotions for Joseph? I mean, He's confused, first of all. He's feeling betrayed. He's angry because obviously Mary had been unfaithful to him. And then the angel, mighty warrior, messenger, as we talked about from God, appears to him and says, Mary's right. She's telling the truth. You have been chosen to be the earthly father to the Messiah. Can you imagine the swing of emotions? I mean, he was a Jewish guy. He knew all of the stories about the, the Messiah would come. He had no clue it was going to be him. He didn't believe Mary when she suggested that, but now he knows. What a swing of, of emotion and just turmoil in his mind. Can you imagine that conversation with Mary, that next conversation? And he comes up, he says, Mary, I want to talk to you about your pregnancy. And she hangs her head because she knows that he doesn't believe her. And, no, no, Mary, I believe you. I believe you. Can you imagine the validation that she must have felt? I believe you, Mary. And so everything was good 
and exciting and hooray, except for what's everybody else going to think, right? You've got to remember, an angel didn't appear to Mary's parents. Angel didn't appear to Joseph's parents. Angel didn't appear to anybody's friends. Angel didn't appear to anybody in the town, right? What was everybody else going to think? You know what everybody else was going to think. <laughs> they knew what everybody else was going to think. Again, they knew how babies came about, right? It was obvious what people were going to think because the angel didn't show up to anybody else. Joseph had a choice to make. Is he going to obey God or do something easier that everybody would understand, that would make sense to everybody? That's a powerful force in our life, isn't it? When you, I mean, when you can make a decision that you know everybody's going to like, that's an easy decision to make, right? But when you make a decision that you know everybody's going to go, what? Are you crazy? That's a much tougher decision to make. So I think it's interesting when the word came to Joseph, when the angel appeared to Joseph, what he sa- the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He didn't say, do not be too angry. He didn't say, D- don't, be, don't feel too proud to take her. He said, do not be afraid to take Mary. Don't be afraid of what other people are going to think. Don't be afraid of what other people are going to say. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The reality is, becoming obsessed with what other people think is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. It's the natural human tendency to think about what other people are going to think. Mary and Joseph the only two that knew. The only two that knew the truth. They had to weigh heavily on their mind, what was other people going to think? They were going to think they were crazy. They were going to think worse than that. They had to decide um, whose opinion they were going to become obsessed with. Because the opposite of that is true too. And that is becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget about what other people think about you. If you find yourself being a people pleaser and always making sometimes questionable decisions based on what other people think, the quickest way to get rid of that is to become obsessed with what God thinks about you. Here's something you probably already know because you're smart. You can't please everybody. Did you know that? You can't please everybody all the time. Now you can. Tick them off. (laughs) It is possible to tick everybody off. It's also possible, well it's not possible to please People, every person all the time. It is possible to live a life pleasing to God, but it's only possible if you decide to be more focused on what is pleasing to God than what is pleasing to others and be more concerned with what God thinks about you than what people think about you. And that was the decision Joseph had to make and that we're faced with every day. Do we do the hard right thing, obeying God, even when everybody is not going to understand, or do the easy wrong thing that everybody would approve of and think you were um, smart for doing? So here's the reality that Joseph learned, as if you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to be criticized for your faith, for believing what seems impossible just because God said it, then you're not ready to be used by God. I mean, in that culture, again, put yourself back in his sandals, all right? Can you imagine the grief that Joseph and Mary would have endured, the gossip, the ridicule, You know, people whispering everywhere they go, Joseph's not really the father. Well, you know she got pregnant before they got married, right? 
yeah, they said something about the Holy Spirit, but my cousin said she knew somebody that saw somebody that said that they saw Joseph's donkey parked in front of her house at 2 a.m. Yeah, they weren't doing no Bible study, right? I mean, you, they were from a small town. You know how people in a small town are, right? You understand the gossip that would have happened everywhere they went. That was what they were um, agreeing and signing up for. That's a powerful force to have to overcome. When we take a stand for God, sometimes we're also going to face that kind of grief and criticism. Taking a stand for God at school, taking an unpopular position because you know it's the right thing. When a student or a single person commits to saving themselves until, until marriage, people, their friends, look at them like they're crazy. It's a foreign concept in today's culture. Saying no to the latest and the greatest in order to get out of debt, people don't understand that. You choose to homeschool your kids or have another child, you know, people, the culture looks at that, looks at that and says, you're crazy, you're weird, you know? Not passing on gossip or, or even uh, staying to listen to it, not being in the circle or the um, inside jokes of things, you know, that has consequences. If you never want people to criticize you, that's easy. Just go along with the crowd. Don't do anything or stand out, say anything. Because the reality is every significant thing that has been done for God has met with resistance. Everything throughout history that's ever been done for God has met with resistance. And so a question that we can all ask ourselves is, am I facing resistance in my walk with Christ? Am I facing resistance? If not, am I really uh, live? Because if we're not ready to be criticized for obedience, then we're not ready to be used by God. Joseph had that decision to make, the hard right or the easy wrong. What he did, what he decided to do, is described for us in kind of one destiny-altering sentence, destiny-altering both for him and in the greater picture for us and the whole world. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her, keyword, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. See, Joseph heard from God, and Joseph obeyed God. Now, if we could just get that right, anytime we hear something from God, we obey God. We hear from God, we obey God. That's what Joseph did. He obeyed immediately. Didn't ask questions. He obeyed immediately, in spite of the consequences, in spite of everything that that meant. When we decide to obey God, that's a life-altering decision. Um, as we see from the story of Mary last week and Joseph this week, the reality is that extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. When Joseph woke up, he did what God called him to do, and that simple act of obedience led to what we know as the Christmas story, the greatest event in human history. You think about this. The Savior of the world was born because two teenagers said yes to God. The Savior of the world was born because two teenagers said yes to God. Almost everybody else would have said, don't do it, that's crazy. You can't imagine what's going to happen and what people are going to say. The reality is we have no idea what we're setting into motion when we obey what God puts on our heart. When you obey the prompt to invite your friend or your neighbor to a relationship with Jesus or even to a church service, you don't know what God's going to do with that. When you start serving in the church, no 
you have no idea what kind of impact that might make. You start tithing. You have no idea what God is going to do on the other side of that. You decide to foster or adopt a child because you feel God prompting. You have no idea the details or what that's going to do. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Because the reality is we never know what hangs in the balance of those little decisions, those little acts of obedience. We don't know the end of the story. We don't know what hangs in the balance. But the other side of that is also true. We don't know what hangs in the balance of our little acts of disobedience. Right? We think, ah, it's just this little thing. It won't really matter. It's not going to hurt anybody. Nobody will find out. In the same way that we don't know the consequences and the outcomes of our little acts of obedience, we also don't know the greater ramifications or the greater consequences of our little acts of disobedience. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. And here's the thing. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Right? We like to have all the details. I like to have details. But you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You don't have to have the whole picture to put the first puzzle piece into place. What did the angel tell Joseph? All right? He said, you're going to have a son, name him Jesus, and he's going to save the people from their sins. Right? Any new parents out there? Any people that have ever been parents out there? All right? That's not much to go on, is it? All right? You're going to have a boy, going to call him Jesus, going to save the people. All right? That's not much to How are we going to raise this child? How are we going to discipline this child? Are we going to put him in time out or are we going to spank him? He's the son of God. Is he going to put us in time out or is he going to spank us? How is this going to work? You know, there were not a lot of details given. All right? But Joseph immediately obeyed. Lots of questions unanswered. Didn't have all the details. But the reality is he didn't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Joseph had this choice to do what's easy or what's right. It's a choice that I'm faced with every day, a choice that you're faced with every day. Are we going to value the opinions of others, value the opinions of God, above all the opinions of the people that had to be incredibly uh, real and poignant to him? Above those opinions, Joseph valued the opinion of God, and he did the right thing that was hard instead of the easy thing uh, that would have been I'm wrong. Even though he didn't understand all the details, even though he didn't understand what was going to happen or how it was going to happen, God said it, and he did it. So here we've got Joseph, right, who actually leaves the record with no recorded words spoken in Scripture. Now, obviously, he spoke, and he, he, but there was not, none of his words recorded. But what we see, both from this and then a few events later on down the road, whenever God told him something, he immediately responded in obedience. God told him, He obeyed, and then the rest, as we would say, is history. But for him, it wasn't. It was just life. All right? When God says something, we need to be prompted to obey. For Joseph, that meant he obeyed in spite of difficult and painful circumstances, in spite of uh, fear, and in spite of what other people were going to say. He staked his whole life on obedience to God. I think it's interesting that this is the place in the narrative, that that Matthew chooses to insert the prophecy, the quote from the prophet Isaiah. He said, um, all this, that is, all this about Mary that we learned about last week, all this, all this about Joseph, we've talked about this week, all this took place to fulfill the word of the prophet who said, the virgin will be with child and she will give birth to a son and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means 
God with us. See, last week through the story of Mary, we saw that that meant God is with us through the chaos of life. For Joseph, it meant that God was with him even when nobody else was. Even when it seemed like he was totally standing alone, because that had to be what it seemed like to him. The reality is, as a follower of Jesus, as an obedient follower of God, it's impossible to stand alone, because the reality of Christmas is, God is with us. And here's kind of a preview for next week. Even if you're not a follower of God, or you feel far away from God, the Bible says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? And even if you feel far from God, again, I'll jump to next week, the whole story of Christmas says God is for you. Right? God sent his son as a baby to be God with us, the little baby in the manger, but who grew up to die for us. And friends, if, God, if someone dies for you, they're for you. Okay? God is for you. Whether you feel like you're standing alone, whether your life is in chaos, whether you feel like you're far from God, it doesn't matter what your situation is. God is for you, and he loves you, and that is the beauty of Christmas, that the virgin would be with child, and they would call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for just that truth about Christmas, that you came to be with us, that you sent Jesus so that you could have a relationship with us, not in spite of our faults, but because of our faults, because you loved us so much. God, no matter where we're at, Today, whether we feel like we're close to you or we feel like our life is chaotic because of whatever thing, whatever family thing or work thing or financial thing, whatever stressful thing, God, in spite of our chaos, in spite of whether we feel like we're kind of standing out there all by ourselves, God, help us to understand that Christmas means that you are with us and that you are for us and that you want a relationship with us. God, thank you for Jesus, and in his name we pray, amen. Hey, the band has come, and they're going to lead us in a song. Would you stand with us? If you've got something that you would like for someone to pray with you about, a couple of the elders will be down here. They would love to pray with you. could be about something I talked about. could be something totally different. Or if you'd like to talk with someone for the very first time about what that means to have a relationship with Jesus, we would love to talk to you about that as well. Thanks for standing. Let's sing together.
Thank you all for being here today. I told you last Sunday, and I want to bring that to your attention again. If you hear it enough, you'll remember it. December the 24th, I told you about a special service we're having here on Christmas Eve. And I realized, you know, when I think Christmas Eve, I always think evening. It's not so. The day before Christmas is Christmas Eve all day long. So what I'm talking about is the Christmas Eve Sunday morning service. So don't, so you're not confused on that. December 24th, special Christmas service. A couple coming in out of Cincinnati, Ohio. will be invite somebody to come and be a part of that. It will be a good service. And how awesome would it be to have this place absolutely packed? So bring someone in. Bring someone with you. It will be a blessing to you. It will be a blessing to the Lord. It will be a blessing to them. So anyway, just wanted to bring your attention to that. And uh, again, thank you for being here. Let's, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you that you've called us to be right here, right now, in this exact moment in history. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the truth of what Emmanuel means. God with us. Oh, Lord, help us to focus upon that as we are in this very special season where we focus upon the birth of the Christ child. Help us to grasp and to understand what that means. You with us because you loved us so much. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Dismiss us now with your blessing, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.